hello. Hey, besties. Oh, wait, I can't say that because I say it too much. I told Kate yesterday he talks on the word besties. Yeah, not everyone can be a bestie. You're either a fan, hater, or a bestie. Yeah, that's Emma's Bible right there. Mm-hmm. The, an all true statement. But welcome to episode 27, I think. Um, Emma and I are going to be talking about diet culture today, a topic I think that we've always wanted to talk about with having a podcast in the wellness space. We also became friends from realizing we both had eating disorders in high school, so it's something that has brought us together and is a very universal theme. Yeah, we've been wanting to, again, like Kate said, touch on this topic, but I think like trying to figure out how to exactly bring it up because I think it can be a you know kind of a dicey topic and like trigger warning if you've had any sort of eating disorder or you are still recovering from that or in any sort of treatment or program for that maybe tap out of this pod go listen to hot girl summer for something lighter but yeah like go with your own discretion because I think we're going to get into this that diet culture is everywhere and while it is easy to like tap out at this podcast for example you're probably going to go on Instagram and see something that will trigger you later or your friend will say something fucked up or a family member so as much as it is like trigger warnings are very valid and I think you should tap out of this if you are experiencing any difficulties um it's going to be hard to escape diet culture which is the whole point of this pod yes for sure and as a little bit of an introduction well maybe should we just say what we did today for fun what did we do today oh my god um we texted each other at like 6 a.m saying good morning bestie and then I went off and did my silly little Pilates. I don't even know what I did. I like kind of jump roped. And then I was like doing it in my apartment listening to NPR. And I'm like, Kate, this is not it. Because <laughs> it was pouring That's rain in New York. It. Yeah, it was like grody day today. And then after breakfast, we linked up at Kate's place. Get some we, business. Um, yeah, business. And then we embarked on a very gross, wet walk. We went to Dimes. We started at La Colombe and got cold brew, which I don't think either of us processed. No. Then we walked to Goop, which was closed, locked us out. Goop. I was kind of sad about They're that They're scared one. of us. Um, then we went to this retail pop-up called Naked Retail, and they have, like, small brands. We didn't consume different. or purchase anything. We just wanted to feel, you know, bought, wanted to be in a store on a rainy day. Then yeah. we walked all the way to Lower East Side. Then, we, yeah, we went into Dimes, didn't buy anything, saw Sam Hine, and then we somehow managed to make it all the way back to Kate's apartment. We had, had a, a Zevia snack, snack plate moment. We went to Elm Drug and Wellness. I got myself some new olive oil and calm magnesium. And then we parted ways. And now we're back to drinking Zevia and potting. Yeah, I have water, Zevia, and some tea. And it feels like it's... I don't know how long this day has fucking been. It's only 6... It's p- only 6.30. 6.30? Oh, my God. It's like Emma and I were talking at, like, 2. And we're like, look, there's no pressure for us to do anything today. It's both of our days, like, off. We're such busy CEOs over here. We are. But, like... But every hour whenever, CEO hour. <laughs> I know. Whenever there's nothing to do, it's, like, all you can think about is that there's nothing to do. Yeah. So, now we're potting. Uh, makes sense. Yeah. Because that's what's what we're here for, right, mm-hmm. girlies? So as an introduction to the Diet Wars, so if you haven't, if you don't know anything about Emma and I, or don't know how we met, or haven't listened to- Maybe you should, like, play, like, the first 30 episodes, not 30 episodes, (laughs) we haven't done 30, but, like, the first 10. I'm gonna touch the listeners with a nice hand, saying, you know, welcome to the pod, if you're new here, we'll give you a little bit of an intro. Emma and I met on Instagram, I slid into her DMs, there's, like, if you want to actually hear the whole story, I think it's in episode two, the introduction to meeting us, but we both have had eating disorders in very similar fashions, not, like- the eating disorder details but the experience of it the Mm -hmm. isolation no one understanding it like being triggered by the very similar things kind of how emma and i operate is very similar like yeah the social complications that come with 
eating disorders for sure. And we were both in college at the same time, kind of like lacking some sort of friend group or like being invited to stuff and then being like, I don't like any of this stuff you guys do. I want to drink called magnesium. So we found our besties, of course, that it will get you up to where we are now. So that's just to say that diet culture is everywhere. I am always triggered by diet stuff. Like, I don't think you can be someone on your phone like social with social media now and not see something that's going to set you off even if the intention of the person is not to like be triggering in any sense yeah i don't think you ever can really be fully recovered from eating disorder not to say that there's no like progress like if you're going through it definitely continue through whatever like therapy or recovery program you're in but just to say that like you're not going to get to some point where you don't have these thoughts ever not saying that you act on them because i think that's a huge difference that now i don't act on my eating disorder thoughts as frequently or as often as i did when i was in like the thick of it yeah i definitely agree like i don't think you can fully recover in the sense of like i still have like fucked up thoughts here and there i don't act on like any sort of eating disorder behaviors but I mean I definitely still like the body dysmorphia I still sometimes question like what I should and shouldn't eat and like I you know that's like a lifelong process because you know I was you know my 16 year old brain fully like wired my brain into thinking that like I had to eat a certain way and think in a certain manner um and and also to go along with like diet culture being everywhere yeah like that shit's like everywhere I feel like I'm pretty good at like not even processing it luckily that I just like swipe or swipe it sweep it under the rug um but I mean like yeah I have been in situations where it is like a little uncomfortable and I think you know we'll kind of talk about how to develop good not necessarily like coping mechanisms or habits but just like how to navigate those situations when you are you know you know surrounded by like a family member and they're talking about how they're like starting a new diet or like someone commenting on like you know this new juice cleanse I yeah or this food is so bad for you I can't believe people eat that or I started this new diet and oh my god I can't believe people are vegan that must just be so bad for you must get so fat like people say stuff about that's the issue with I think dieting in general like paleo people have a problem with what alkaline people are doing and intermittent fasting say that these people don't eat the right way so that's why Emma and I think now like our approach to food and nutrition and like diet what our diet I don't have one per se like I would say I could describe to you what I eat in a day but that's also like a responsible aspect of like I never will post to what I eat in a day I'm never gonna tell y'all like literally how much I work out I'm not gonna tell you what I do on a daily basis because that's something that is triggering and it's also not helpful as we're so individual um one thing I was thinking about as like Emma and I were writing up this pod is like in 2021 There's definitely more diversity in representation on the media, whether it be like body shape, sizes, diversity and casting and hiring. The like model of like what it was to look like or like the peak like beauty standard was like Kate Moss on hair, like the heroin chic aesthetic in the 90s. And that diet culture is like so foreign, I think, to Emma and I like the alcohol or Adkins diet, the something beach diet uh weight watchers i never grew up experiencing that but i can imagine i just feel like every time i've talked to someone that's over 40 they'll say something like oh yeah did you hear that like this person just started a new diet and i think now if you were in a group of 10 girls and someone was like hey guys i just started this new diet everyone would look at you in like a fucked up way and be like why are you proud of that so i do i do think while there's like a stigma around dieting now or at least like you have to be more cautious of what you say it still fucking happens. Like, it's still... I don't know. I don't know if it's worse or better. But that was just a tangent I was thinking about. Because I don't feel like people ever really fully say, like, I am starting a diet to lose weight. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's more secretive now because of, like, I... You know, dieting has, like, a bad connotation. And I don't think there's necessarily, like... For some people, like, going on a diet is, like, a healthy thing. And I think if you're coming from a place where it's, like, you need to for certain, like, health complications. Yeah. And I'm, you know... I don't think you should demonize someone. But, you know, it obviously is, like, a slippery soap. And it can become very... um 
obsessive and it can lead to other potential health complications down the road. Yeah. Um, and I think also to go along with like what Kate said about like not prescribing yourself to like a certain diet or anything like, yeah, I definitely just kind of like eat in just like a way that works best for me. I'm not really going to tell or show people how or what I eat, what quantities. What also, because half the time it looks ugly. Yeah, truly. We are making a safe place for girls who do not, like, have a food Instagram account and, like, plate their food. Like, my mine... shit is, like, ugly. Yeah. But I think to go along with, like, you know, everyone's bodies, lifestyles, genetics, etc., they're all going to be different. Thus, there's, like, no, like, universal one, like, diet fits all. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just, like, eating in a way that, like, works best for you and, you know, just trying to avoid, you know, comparing yourself to how others eat or feel the need to follow the new trendy diet. I think I definitely have become so much better. Like, I know what works for best, best for me. I know what isn't going to cause me to spiral or freak the fuck out. And, you know, I think I still need to learn how to be like live more in a balance and maybe you know let myself be open to like eating like fun foods more often but you know that's like a personal thing that I have to grow and work on but um yeah I think just like really just staying in your own lane is like probably the biggest thing which is obviously hard and I think for me with what I've grown on with eating disorder stuff since I've been like 17 years old to like now being 22 is that I think in my mind that it's not all black and white that's going to be so hard for someone like where your whole your your um like kind of creating your whole routine based on being very black and white like demonizing foods is good and bad but i think now it's like such an i have such an apathetic view towards mm-hmm. food and diet and how i look because i'm like i don't care that much like i care but the thing is when i was 16 and 17 i had so much energy expended towards changing that now i'm like I can't imagine like eating as little as I was and doing that type of stuff, you know? So you'll grow. I'm not going to say you're going to grow out of it, but I think you just grow tired of like beating yourself up all the time. And that's the optimistic kind of take of it. Like you might not be fully recovered, but once again, I think you learn ways to not act on the thoughts that might have caused you to have eating disorder behaviors before. So that's the upper of an intro, yeah. but we're going to get into all these diets. Also, some of you guys sent in questions, and I absolutely don't know the people that you mentioned. Yeah, like Kenzie Burke. Kenzie Burke. Like, I, I've heard I'm of, sorry. but I'm not. I don't I'm sorry, like sorry to that woman. Yeah. Sorry to that woman. I have no idea who she is. Like, I know who the medical medium celery juice guy is, yeah. but like, I don't specifically want to trigger myself by going down a new diet rabbit hole as well, so I wasn't going to research Kenzie Burke, but apparently that girl crazy. So if you're listening to Kenzie Burke, I don't know. Delete your Instagram, I guess. Um, that's my call to Be action. Be more responsible. Yeah, that's my call to action. Whatever you're doing, the girlies do not like it. And so I'm protecting the girlies here. But thank you for listening to episode 27. Let's get into the pod. And we're back. Okay, so let's get into the different diets that we've all probably heard, seen on food packaging, you know it, you name it, whatever. First, we're going to do is paleo. So paleo is like eating similarly to those during the paleolithic area. So like foods that you could obtain from hunting and gathering. So, you know, and then they avoid foods that kind of emerge from like current day farming. So like, you know, dairy, legumes, AKA beans, processed foods, grains, and potatoes, which is sad that they can't experience the beauty and joy that is a dessert potato. Entirely. Um, And I think like paleo, like again, with like all these like diets, I guess, this is more of like a lifestyle, I feel like. Um, But you know, it's like approaching food as like good and bad. And like, I think labels can lead to a restrictive mindset or like tendencies with like orthorexia. But also like, you know, there's nothing wrong with like cutting out processed foods or like reducing your intake of like sugars if you like do think that like that doesn't make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one issue perhaps with paleo is that it's like definitely expensive as fuck because you're like only eating like really lean, high quality 
meats, meats yeah. and then just like vegetables. Yeah. And I think also it's like definitely very hard to get adequate protein if you are like vegetarian or vegan as they don't consume beans. So I think, you know, if you are someone who wants to avoid eating meat, this is like definitely like something that you're probably not going to go down. Yeah. And the next one we got is keto, which we make memes about because I think there's a lot of bro culture with like bros at the gym that be talking about they're in ketosis. My introduction to keto was like I was listening to some podcast and they were talking about like, oh, if you want to get into fat burning ketosis and whoever the guest of this podcast was. I mean, this was years ago. I have no idea what this podcast was. Sorry if you're asking me for a reference. But this person was talking about how they had to weigh their broccoli on a food scale subtract the amount of fiber from the amount of carbs to make sure that their net carbs for the day were like below five grams of carbs and i was like having a food scale and like putting broccoli on it bro who who the fuck cares like no and most that i've heard about ketosis is that like it's very fucking hard to get into it like most people will try the keto diet and you're not actually changing your body to be on ketosis where your body's just using fat for fuel yeah and i think it's it's definitely a lot easier for men to get into quote-unquote ketosis as opposed to women and also like with keto it can lead to a hormonal imbalance um something that men don't have to worry about as much and a reduction in carbs can lead to an increase in cortisol which is the stress hormone as we've mentioned before and so especially for women when we do not get enough complex carbs our bodies can experience a shift in serotonin levels progesterone and stress is one of the biggest contributors that can lead to a hormone imbalance so if you do you know try keto and you do experience a change in like your period whether that if it's like it getting like heavier or like lighter or you not experience or getting your period anymore that could be an uh reason or issue and also but there are pros to keto in the sense that like you are going to be consuming like a higher fat content which is really beneficial for women as fat is essential in absorbing key vitamins and also for certain hormone production mm-hmm. next one gluten-free now i don't know if i would call this a diet or a lifestyle or something because obviously there's people that have celiacs and they have to be gluten-free or your body is not able to process Mm -hmm. gluten like fundamentally like you go to the doctor and they say yeah you have this disease i think a lot of people self-diagnose themselves as like being like i'm gluten-free yeah and i think that's been the rise of like every gluten-free flour because most people are just like yeah i'm assuming gluten is bad for me so i shouldn't eat it i mean i'm even like that sometimes like that's been like a fucking orthorexic thing that i think i've been ingrained in just from like every single food blogger for some reason the recipe is gluten-free yeah and then i like have like we posted memes about this but like why do i have like coconut flour and tapioca starch and all this stuff i mean granted like i eat sourdough bread and i eat like carbs but it's confusing i think when so many like recipes and so many like food inspiration things are using cauliflower crust or something and i'm like i don't necessarily want to do this but like why is this everywhere um i mean gluten-free once again like it's easier on your digestive system and like the reason that some people cut out gluten is because it's less inflammation on your body if you're dealing with gut sensitivities so it's not to say it's invalidating anyone who is gluten-free i'm just saying like it can be a slippery slope once again just to cut out an entire if you're just doing it because everyone else is doing it um like you know that's like not really i mean yeah you can do that but that's not really like a valid reason i think you should always approach some sort of change in your diet or how you eat based on like an actual like concern that you're experiencing that you want to address or because like maybe some type of food just isn't working the way that it was before yeah next one is veganism so em and i were vegan we are no longer vegan um i think most people go vegan for like environmental or ethical reasons there are some people that i think just go to try a new trendy diet which is entirely valid i guess do whatever you want um we've also talked about the ethic 
ethical limits of veganism, if you go back to the food and climate change one, mostly talking about how if you're buying a lot of out-of-season produce, if you are not thinking about sourcing of your vegan food. Or buying a lot of, like, pre-packaged stuff that comes in a lot plastic, of plastic. If you're eating out a lot. There's a lot of ways that we all contribute harm, and that's why I think, like, shaming anyone for their diet and, like, putting ethical on your diet versus someone else's is not a good route to go generally. Um, veganism from, like, my experience of going vegan, I've gotten a lot of questions about, like, Kate, don't you think veganism is restrictive? Yes, it, by the nature of you not eating animal products, you are restricting yourself of eating foods, but I don't think you can accuse anyone or, like, say that any of these diets on this list are, like, orthorexic by nature. I think plenty of people follow all these categories and, like, don't have any sort of food issues, but for me, like, being vegan got me out of my eating disorder. I will say fundamentally, I was not eating any fruits and vegetables. I was stuck on calories. That was like my main thing with eating disorders. Like I was over-exercising, so, so concerned with how much I was burning, eating a hundred calorie snack packs, which are like not good for you, entirely processed with like a bunch of fucking stupid shit in them. So when I went vegan, I started eating plant foods and I started actually enjoying my meals and eating a wider variety than I was before and eating in abundance. I would never eat as much quantity. I probably would not have gotten my period back if I was still like in the mindset of eating stuff based on the calorie labels. So that was a way that it was very freeing for me. Yeah, I think for me as well, like going vegan definitely helped cure my eating disorder in the sense that like it encouraged me and got me excited to just like eat again. And I yeah. think that was like the biggest thing for like my journey and my recovery was just like feeling safe and comfortable to eat and like creating meals and actually, yeah, like getting excited to eat again. That was like really major for me as well. And, you know, I kind of like went, it, you know, I feel like I went into becoming vegan like towards the end of like my eating disorder recovery yeah the next one is pescatarian or vegetarian obviously like this is going to be individual is why you choose to go this route um if you're concerned about climate definitely cutting out red meat is a huge way you can do that but once again personally politically i don't know if individual impact means that much once again like it has there has to be incentives for everyone to not eat red meat um i don't have any like direct experience with this one or like i don't think i mean vegetarianism is i don't feel like there's any like connotations of like diet culture shit no um, i feel like these are kind of more lean towards just like lifestyle lifestyle next one pegan um i we always get a few questions since people know that emma and i are vegan about like how do you guys approach like eating animal products again do you feel any guilt or shame i don't personally no me neither um i think that i've just entirely like blocked out like how individual eating is and like the ethics of eating like we've said before that like you, you can't put like shame on like you eating meat once a week versus like never i just think that's like such a harmful way to live and especially if you come from like an eating disorder background of like shaming yourself for like making choices that are better for your body i know there's a lot of like ex-vegans even like people that high we're going to talk about high carb low fat veganism don't worry but a lot of like people that broke with high carb low fat veganism like started eating eggs and meat, meat and then yeah. would get like the militant vegans up their ass saying like why are you eating all this and if you're deficient in protein I'm not saying, like, if you're vegan, you are deficient in protein, but if you wanted to eat eggs and found that was an easier solution for you, go ahead and do it. Um, that's kind of, I think, our approach to diet. But now we're going to get into some of the whack shit. Um, frankly, once again, like, some of these, I was like, what even is this diet? But, you know, you've probably seen it on your Instagram, maybe TikTok. Once again, we're still hiring TikTok interns um, if you want to go on to TikTok for us. But we're going to come back and get into high-carb, low-fat veganism. Talk about potatoes. <laughs> Hi, CMOS girlies. We're excited to introduce you to our newest podcast sponsor, Hilma. Hilma offers natural remedies for things like headaches, indigestions, and cold. I found Hilma when I was looking for some natural alternatives to medicine cabinet staples and pharmacy brands. Here are some of our favorite Hilma products that we've tried out. 
I've tried out their immune support. It's a single serving of six essential ingredients to help boost your immune system. It includes things like echinacea, vitamin C, and more. The products are formulated by doctors and holistic practitioners, so you get the best of both worlds. My favorite thing I've tried by Helma are their new elderberry immune gummies. Most gummies on the field and in the market tend to have fillers and other suspect ingredients that you don't really know what you're consuming in the products. Hilma, however, has no fillers, dyes, or synthetic sweeteners and flavors in their immune gummies, which is why they stand out to me as a consumer. Hilma really makes you feel good about what you use to feel better without the side effects or toxic mystery ingredients in their products. Also, Hilma is founded by three women who saw a need for this and got to work. We love to support that. They take ingredient transparency seriously and use the highest quality of natural ingredients. So if this sounds like a good fit for you guys, you can go to hilma.co backslash CMOS. It's spelled H-I-L-M-A dot co slash CMOS to shop all of their natural solutions and you'll get 20% off your order. You can use the code CMOS20, of course, for 20% off. And it's time for you to give your medicine cabinet an upgrade by using Hilma. Now back to the podcast. So CMOS girlies, let's talk about hormones. Let's talk about periods. Let's talk about mood swings. We've been crushing on Phazy. They make functional food for better periods and their stuff is made to support your cycle all month long. Once upon a time, the world taught us to feel bad about our periods and Phazy's here to undo that. Their ingredients are organic and packed with nutrients to reduce mood swings, cramps, and headaches. You name it. They literally make a product called Period Chocolate. It's like a fancy organic raw chocolate truffle with CBD inside. I mean, they also make seed cycling super easy. I've been wanting to try their new Neato Instant Mood Milks. They're like Nesquik, but for hormones, sweetened with maple sugar. We've been crushing on their IG for a while, and we're so glad that we're friends. Menstrual, follicular, ovulatory, luteal. Which phase are you? Visit phasey.co backslash CMOS to get 15% off your order. Now back to the pod. You know Emma and I can't shut up about starting your day with the perfect oatmeal toppings. And you're probably thinking, what could be better than securing a bag of maca powder or matching with a boy who actually knows what adaptogens are? Um, hello, a large and juicy medjool date. That's why we're so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, Julie's. Julie's is a pantry staple for all the wellness gods. Their hand-picked medjool dates from Coachella Valley, California are certified USDA organic, naturally vegan, and free of all allergens. There is no better way to snack on Jolie's than with your favorite nut butter or on a bowl of oats. And Jolie's even has a date syrup to drizzle on a stack of pancakes. So if you want to taste some Jolie's for yourself, definitely use code CMOSGIRLIES for 15% off your first order. Now back to the show. Okay, we got some Zevia in our... Veins. We're going to take you back to a spiritual place that all of you have been before. Circa, what, like 2015? Banana Island with Freely the Banana Girl. <laughs> Medjool dates galore. <sighs> Potatoes, bananas. What else did they eat? Like romaine lettuce. Oh my god, so much romaine lettuce. It was literally like russet potatoes, romaine lettuce. The way that I've seen someone eat a banana. And hummus. No, but I've seen someone eat a romaine lettuce cup with banana slices in it. That's like an image of my brain right banana now. Banana ice cream. <laughs> oh my god. The fact that so many... Yeah. I could not eat bananas for a few years after experiencing high-carb, low-fat veganism. Which brings us into high-carb, low-fat veganism. Now, I don't know how any, any of us got onto this. Is it like you just searched... Like, I'm trying to think, how did I fucking get onto these videos? I just searched how to eat vegan in YouTube. I don't know how I... Because I, once again, it. like, I would go down... We're going to talk about, like, the whole concept of, like, what I eat in a day videos at the end of this podcast, but... I was, when I first went vegan, I was like, yeah, I don't really know what meals are. So I did end up searching in YouTube, like vegan meal ideas. And maybe that's how I came across this fucked up way of eating. 
Like, I don't know. Did Freely pay YouTube to, like, have her shit up as being, like, the first in SEO? I need to know. There needs to be some sort of, like, investigative sort of... I need a journal. Like, why is there not a Netflix documentary? I was going to say, there needs to be a Netflix documentary literally on high-carb, low-fab, because truly, what the fuck? Maybe there is, and we just don't know because we're not on the web that much. There was, like, like a community of them. God. And the fact that, like, so many of us know about the memes and shit is, like, fucked for me. That all of us were eating, like, potatoes. Like, all of our local groceries are probably like what are these like young girls doing yeah so if you don't know what high carb low fat veganism is um truly all you eat yeah truly it's mainly just like eating like again like high carb foods like potatoes oats bananas fruits veggies and then like truly like no fat like you i think the biggest thing was like not cooking with oil yeah and that one is what fucked me up the most yeah still fucks me up um, not, yeah, not eating any fat proteins, like, they didn't really discuss. It, it was, like, like, legumes yeah, if you legumes. wanted to. But, yeah, you were, like, a demon if you ate any sort of, what fat source did they even allow you to like, eat? Like, maybe an avocado. Avocados they were okay with, yeah. But it was literally, like, the photos of, like, a huge bowl and then, like, half of an avocado. That was your meal. I'm like, oh my god, how did I do that? Yeah, it's Yeah, high really fat. fat, like, I definitely, I experienced terrible bloating, bloating from that terrible acne because um yeah you weren't eating any fats i like definitely my period was like very i lost my period entirely i lost my period like for a long long time and high carb low fat veganism only fucked it up more um which makes sense because women have to consume dietary fat content like more than men and just like not what they're prescribing i mean the most dietary advice that i feel like the high carb low fat people would say was like 80 10 10 where did they come up with that stat like it's all made up shit like, why did I trust YouTubers? Because I was an impressionable young teen. That's exactly. Fine. The next kind of, like, segment of it was, like, Raw Till 4, which I always thought was absurd. <laughs> um, because they would, like, not... They would eat watermelon and cantaloupe and shit in the morning, and then 4 p.m. suddenly you could eat quinoa. And I was like, what? What's the reason? What happened at 4 p.m.? Like, did the sun just come out? Like, what? Who? Why wasn't it at 3 p.m.? Why wasn't it at 5 p.m.? And, like, in Minnesota, I mean, if you... Once again, also, like, a lot of our listeners, like, if you're in high school, just imagine, like, telling your parents, like, uh, I only can, like, eat like watermelon before four so like you're gonna have to adjust the whole grocery list a lot of these diets on this list like i could not do because my parents would be like uh yeah us and what money and like you in what bullshit also way. i lived in nebraska like the my <laughs> fruit options in the winter would have been like i don't frozen even know berries. yeah frozen berries and i think also with like the raw till four again you're obviously missing out on so many key macronutrients aka like fats and proteins you're literally only eating fruit and a lot of like the fat soluble vitamins such as like a k e and d like you need fats to be able to to be for them to be digested and used properly so like it's just like don't even bother like i don't know anyone who would eat like raw till four anymore or if it's even like a trend or a thing well it's like pseudoscience because these people are on youtube they're not registered dietitians or anything and they're once again like causing eating disorders like on all these like younger people um like emma was saying the thing about like fat soluble vitamins they're telling you to eat romaine lettuce and that it's healthy and everything but yeah, if you're not eating with a fat, you're not getting the benefits of eating, like, piles and piles of fucking broccoli and cauliflower. The next one that I have heard a little bit about, and once again, I'm like, I don't want to research this because it just seems like some bullshit diet, is alkaline. Um, so it's based on the pH balance in food. Most of the time when you think about pH balance, you think about those essential water bottles and, like, I think about swimming pools, honestly. Yeah, like same, the pH like a pH strip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing is with alkaline is that it's, like, limiting your processed foods, which is good. I think, like, most diets that's kind of like what they're all trying to do is like limit how much of like a standard american diet you're eating like if you go through every one of these diets they want you to not eat as much processed food 
uh, but all in like different ways. Yeah. But the thing with alkaline diet, I was like tell- telling Emma a few like things I was reading about like people that have published about the alkaline diet and like what they prescribe to eat. One of them literally said on the left, like what to eat. It was fruits, vegetables, lemon and lime juice, wine, coffee. And then on the right, it was legumes, dairy, grains, bean, like, so you're truly just, like, consuming liquids. <laughs> yeah, and, like, who can fucking afford to do that? I mean, I've also been on some food bloggers that are alkaline, and, like, they do eat chickpeas, but then they don't eat, like, tomatoes. So I'm like, what, who, wh- where's the rule? Um, yeah, and the other thing is, like, you're only really thinking about, like, food. Like, you're not just demonizing tomatoes, but you're demonizing whole food groups, and that's where I think these, like, diets get into orthorexic behaviors. Some of them, if it's, like, don't eat quinoa, that's one thing, but if it's, like, don't eat any grains, it's a different thing. Yeah. And the theory is, like, behind alkaline is that the body leaches calcium, aka which is alkaline in your body, from the bones, but there's no research to support this that wasn't done on, like, very specific trials of people with osteoporosis, so it's a very cherry-picked diet. Next one is juice cleanses, which I don't know how much there is here that is, like, obviously, like, it's not it. Um, It's not it. It's a quick-fix solution, which, like, obviously you can't fix anything in, like, three to five days. And, like, this is just, like, a very low-calorie, like, liquid diet. So, like, you're not going to be able to do anything because you're so tired. And I think juice cleanses really scare me the most in the sense of, like, that just, like, takes me back to, like, days when, like, in my, like... Sitting in bed. Yeah, sitting in bed, like, when I was at my worst with my eating disorder, just, like, not being able to get out of bed because I was so tired and dead. So I think, like, you know, I have been around people, honestly, this past week, they were like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this juice cleanse. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm not... It doesn't even, like, trigger me. I'm just more, like... Good luck. Good luck. Like, that is not healthy. Yeah. And also, it's, like, fucking expensive. Like, who wants to spend $60 on, like, four green juices? Even if you are juicing, in all honesty, it still is expensive to juice. Um, And our body naturally eliminates toxins. That's the issue with, like, detox, which we've talked about a lot in this, like, podcast generally. Like... And I think with juice cleanses, it's like a limited time period. You're only juicing for seven days. Then on day eight, what do you do? Like, one, what does your body do? Because now it's going to go back to eating, um, like, whole foods again. How is it going to digest that and process that? And then second, like, you mentally. you're I, if For these past seven days, you demonized any sort of solid food as being bad. Are you mentally going to be okay with eating normal food? Or are you going to feel fat and, like, feel shame for that? I don't know. It's like... I guess if it works for you, I guess if you've been prescribed for it, but like Emma was saying, I think juice cleanses and also like things like Saqqara Life that are like really low calorie, like eating disorder type cleanses, it's just like bullshit to like act like you're giving people enough food and yeah, it's all mimic, mimicking shit. Um, the next one that I got a lot of DMs about questions about is Whole30. Um, I told Emma just now, when I first heard of Whole30, I thought it was <laughs> Whole Foods' like, book, like a cookbook that Whole Foods sold. I didn't know that it was like a, an actual diet. I know people have like done Whole30, and I know there's like a book to go along with it. I honestly... Is this I, like a mommy blogger thing? I think it's maybe. above I feel like it, I feel like it has to be like some sort of like Pinterest trend thing <laughs> among like moms. So Whole30, it's like a reset to your system. So you eliminate refined sugars, grains, dairies, and legumes because they're inflammatory. You also eliminate alcohol, which is one thing I remember like hearing anytime I heard someone going on Whole30. Someone in my... Actually, like one girl I was friends with in high school was doing it, and I was like... Mm, I think she had an eating disorder. Not like prescribing her an eating disorder, but she definitely was like talking about stuff in a way now that I feel like is interesting. Um, my whole thing with Whole30 is like, why are you only going to do 30 days? Because like on day 31, are you just going to binge and like go back to like, quote, what you were eating before? Like, I think all these diets where it goes like, I'm doing this for two these two days and then I'm going to go back to it. You're 
regardless of how your body's approaching it, your mind is all fucked because like, you're going to start labeling certain versions of yourself as good and bad. I mean, I've been there where it's like, oh, I ate out today. I was bad. I didn't eat out today. I was good. Meanwhile, like when you're thinking about health, nutrition, and holistic, like ways of eating and like what your body can process, it can't make these rapid changes overnight. So that's why I think like whole 30, if you want to eat that way the rest of your life, that's one thing, but it's very restrictive in, um, obviously like, how much you cannot eat like any of these diets um i think just like approaching it from the perspective of like can i sustain this which gets to the next one which is the mediterranean diet which i didn't know enough about i think i've heard it a lot i've always like i always heard in podcasting like this is like one of the most like healthy diets so a lot of like you know doctors will always like you know talk about the mediterranean diet and it's like benefits and the biggest like staples of this is like eating like they did in the mediterranean region where it's lots of vegetables fish olive oil is a big one whole grains fruits and legumes legumes are a staple of the diet and proteins um unlike whole 30 which often like cuts out protein sources so that's why whole 30 could be another issue if you're like not eating enough protein that could cause women to be or anyone, honestly, to, like, be deficient in nutrients. And Mediterranean diet is going to be avoiding processed oils and carbs, kind of getting back to, like, how we were eating before the introduction of processed foods into our diet. So I don't know, could be triggering if, like, some, I don't know. I think any of these diets can be triggering, but I do, like, I do appreciate, like, the emphasis here on, like, an abundance of foods at least. It's not, like, shaming you for eating anything, I guess. The next one is IF, intermittent fasting. Um, A lot of the girlies, I feel like, have been shoved this down our throat. I think it's been more common these past few years. I mean, (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow, Miss Gwyneth, if you're listening, we're coming for your empire. But she's, her new thing is, like, intuitive fasting. Bitch. Yeah, I remember. It's like, I mean, come on. Intuitive fasting. So, like, you're just not going to eat for, like, whenever you think that you're not. When you're starting to play mind games with yourself and, like, playing That's God. That's when it gets messy. Yeah, and, like, you're telling other people to do that, too. That's why I don't get it. But intermittent fasting, obviously, there's different ways to approach it. Like, some days, some people, like, literally don't eat for a day, and then they eat for five days, don't eat for two days. Or there's, like, different hours. It's called, like, time-restricted eating. That's how, like, you'll hear MDs refer to it. For me, sometimes it's helpful to not fix on meals like if I wake up at 6 a.m and I'm like oh my god okay I gotta cook and then I gotta do this and I gotta do this like it is nice to have I think more of a break between meals but how you approach it with like (laughs) the hours um that can be something that's so so restrictive and it also gets you away from like your hunger hunger cues which I think if for anyone who has experiencing disorder like developing hunger cues is like a very Difficult. difficult and like long process and I think with, like, intermittent fasting, that can really derail those sort of, um, like, things that you're trying to fix. Yeah. The only reason I think that it, like, I wouldn't say intermittent fasting, but I just say, like, more time between your meals so you're not, like, fixated on food. Because mm-hmm. I think, for me, when I was coming out of an eating disorder, like, I had, was put on a program where I had to eat three meals and I think four or three snacks a day. And I think I was always thinking about food. I was always like, did I eat enough? Did I eat too little? Did I eat enough? Like what was in that food? Was it good for me? Was it bad for me? How am I feeling? And now that I feel more comfortable to like not have an afternoon snack and just eat lunch and dinner or like not have a snack before lunch, I think I'm able to tap into my hunger cues more and then like adjust my meals according to my hunger cues more. But I guess that's not even internet fasting. That's just (laughs) how I eat now. Next one is food combining, which is garbage. Yeah, there's a few. Dumb. There's a few um, people on 
the interweb that be promoting this. <laughs> There's like a famous West Village West mommy blogger. Rich, rich Tribeca mommies is what I like to yeah. classify. I don't actually know if any of the girls in Geneva would know who we think about when we think of food combining. <laughs> but she's a fucking mess and has a business and so <laughs> anti that. But yeah. We're not going to name drop people because we're not petty. But the theory behind food combining is that our foods can only concentrate on one nutrient at a time. So your body can't process proteins and fats at the same time. Like, you can't eat a carb with, like, you can't eat salmon and you can't eat potatoes Or you together. can't eat, like, chickpeas with, like, a yeah, potato or something stupid. Yeah, and I heard that and my head was like, what do you eat then? You just eat chickpeas, you wait 20 minutes, and then you eat your... your and I know it's, like, fruit always on an empty stomach. Yeah, fruit always on an empty stomach. Fuck. And it's problematic because you can't look at food as isolated nutrients. Every food, it, like, fundamentally has every nutrient in it. You can't take the fat content out of salmon and say, well, I only want to treat it as a protein source. It still has omega-3 fats. Like, that's the food. That's fundamentally how it's broken down. I understand what they're getting at with, like, yeah, you if you don't want to eat, like, watermelon with, like, soup. Maybe, like, maybe that just doesn't sound appetizing to you. But who also, I wrote in the, I just, like, wrote this down. I'm like, who has fucking time to care about, like, what they're eating that much? It's, like, a certain privileged amount of, like, people. Like, any of any diet. Yeah, if you, like, don't work and, like, you have, like, four nannies, then, like, maybe you fucking can. But, like, what the fuck? Also, like, I think a lot of these, too, with, like, veganism, especially high-carb, low-fat veganism, people that are on the go and working, like, okay, so you're supposed to pack, like, 75 bananas to take <laughs> on lunch break? Like, what are you supposed to pack? And, like, if you're doing food combining, like hey sorry employer um i just need to go eat my bananas now and then like i need another break in like 40 minutes when my body has digested and then i can eat my like, like no my t- other food that's not how the world works god the next one is more like exercisey body kind of diet image stuff um when people post like body transformation or progress pics my perspective on this is like whatever i have body dysmorphia and i have honestly tried i think when i was like one year or two years out of my eating disorder to try to like measure progress with like how i looked and like take photos and like take them at the same time every day and like i had no idea what i looked like i was like oh i think on day three i look worse than day this i think when you've come from eating disorder this is definitely different than like someone who's never had one i think with gym culture and like bro culture specifically there's like a lot about like progress i gained this much muscle and lost this much fat and like this many kilos but like if you're like an average workout person, like yeah, you're not gonna notice that much. Difference. These don't really bother me that much. Also, like I don't follow those like fitness accounts, so I don't feel like I really see it that much. Yeah. And again, like I don't even process shit that I see on Instagram anymore. <laughs> like it's just like I scroll and I see nothing. And I think like if you're following someone and they're going on like a fitness journey and that triggers you, like it's at a point where like I'm at the point where I'm like I need to grow up. Yeah. Like I can't be mad at someone else who wants to make changes. Because again, their body. like I don't think there's anything wrong with like you know going on a diet or like wanting to like you know get quote-unquote healthier like I think again there are healthy ways to do that if you're coming from a place where like maybe you weren't at your healthiest you know point before yeah and I think it's really selfish to like I think I was at that point where anytime someone would talk about like dieting or calories when I was like right out of my eating disorder I got very triggered and very like lashed out at them and that's it makes sense fundamentally why I would do that but now looking back on it it's like okay Kate you need to develop skills to like not be triggered by that and like have a conversation with them instead of just being like stop talking about calories stop doing this like stop talking about your diet like if someone is happy in their body good for them like mm-hmm. good for them fundamentally and I don't think you need to compare yourself to them or just like mute the person unfollow them the next one that is kind of like a comparison game is the what I eat in a day concept videos I I just don't fundamentally get this 
anytime a YouTuber like gets comments, like I'll go through the comment sections of these videos and people will say like, why would you post this when you have all these young impressionable girls, which is the same opinion I have where I'm like, why would you trigger everyone to like think you need to eat a certain way? And then they're like, oh, well, like I just wanted to show like what I was eating like throughout the week. Like, why do you even need to do that? Also, the thing is, is like, obviously with social media, you're going to show like the best version of yourself. So you're going to be showing yourself eating like the healthiest, you know, probably smallest portions. And also with all these videos, it's like they show themselves taking one bite of their food. I know. And like, or they're like sponsored by Green Chef. <laughs> and like, or they're eating. Yeah. Or they're like, okay, and camera off. Like all I had today was a coffee and a sandwich. Camera off. I'm going to go eat with my friends now. Bye. You don't know what's filmed between them. And then what they also did not film when they were snacking. And then like, you're just going to assume that like what they show on the camera is like the truth and once again like i can look at these videos now and say like there's a lot of bullshit happening behind the scenes like smoke and mirrors but when i was 16 i was like damn like should i only eat that much too and see if that works for me so that's like the issue with like my approach to like all this diet stuff now is where i'm like yeah you kind of have to grow up and like get over it but then at the same time i'm like 16 year old me couldn't get over it that's why i got an eating disorder exactly. so like as much as this shit is like you will get better at it with time and time like it is still very fucked up and like this is why people have eating disorders. Like, I think you even do, like, a recipe video of, like, you, like, yeah. I'm going to show you how I make, you know, like, my banana bread. But I think, like, a full week's worth of, like, this is what I eat. Like, come on. Like, no one needs that content. It's not even, like, inspirational at no. this point. It's, like, like this has been done a million times. Also, like, let's do a new concept. There's no new food. Like, you're, you're cooking stuff that's already been cooked. Like, unless like, there's some recipe You're not developer. Alison Roman. Like, girl, the fuck up. Pack it off. Alison Roman. God, what a bad ref. Oh, my God. <laughs> intuitive eating is the next one we got questions about and we've like talked about this i think in the body dysmorphia episode where like intuitive eating if you've gone from an eating disorder don't do it it's not for you that's not you're not going to have intuitive hunger cues unless you are fully physically recovered and i just don't think this is a good approach you should have meal times that you specifically eat at every single day but that's just my hot take on it i think for me it's like very hard to eat intuitively yeah i agree i mean i feel like i maybe have successfully done it for like a week in my life but I think again like Kate said like you know it's hard to be fully recovered and so you're still gonna have some of those lingering thoughts yeah and I saw a tweet today and it was like someone's like intuitive eating means that I intuitively go and eat ice cream and that's the same thing where I'm just like yeah like what is intuitive and what isn't intuitive Mm -hmm. it's just like such a mind thing for me where like trusting your hunger cues takes a long time and I think intuitive eating can be a way to like orthorexia like avoiding your hunger cues and it's like a really good excuse to be like oh i like not gonna eat this because i'm like intuitively eating or something yeah, yeah it's like just no Shut yeah up. yeah so in conclusion you know diet culture is out there um i think we got a lot of questions about orthorexia and like what that means i think in relationship to being involved in health and wellness and like if I'm going to pull everyone in Geneva, we all eat differently, right? Like, we all have different diets and different rules that we probably have in our mm-hmm. head. Some of that are just, like, subconsciously there of, like, things that we do eat and we don't eat. And then some that we do, like, think, like, I think this food is better than this food. Like, we all have hot takes and hot opinions, right? Like, we've done the hot takes. So I think, like, if you are in the wellness sphere that, like, you're going to reach... I told Emma, like, if we took 10 people in Geneva and put them in this room and had to, like, host a picnic with them, we'd, like, not be able to put one food on the table that someone would have an issue with. And so I think, like, orthorexia, like, you could point at YouTubers and be like, I think this YouTuber is orthorexic because they called this one food bad. I don't know. I, like, we all have our own opinions about it. And I think that's, like, fine. Like, we're all going to eat differently. Like, we're all... Yeah, like, I... Yeah. Yeah, like, we're not, like, I'm not fucking, like, everyone, I think, has their own food tendencies, Mm -hmm. and I think orthorexia is a lot of times, like, 
difficult to like call out if someone is orthorexic or not. And honestly, the only person who's going to know if you're being orthorexic is, is you. you. Like you know if you are going about it or like viewing food and treating food and how you eat in like a very unhealthy, like unrealistic manner. But I think if you're like calling a friend and being like, "You're orthorexic," I my information on this is like maybe they are dealing with something right now. Like I know when I was at the peak of my eating disorder, like I had a lot of like interesting food things, and I wish someone would have stopped me and said like, "Hey." You can eat that ice cream. Like, why is that food bad to you? I would have, like, started bawling on the spot and been like, because I, I hate how I look and all this stuff. But I don't think, like, alienating people because they're, like, experiencing something is not valid. Like, eating disorders are so isolated and lonely. And, like, if someone had the chance to, like, perk up and say their little fucked up food thought, you should take that moment as an opportunity to, like, open up to them with, like, w- wide open arms and be like, hey, like, I've had an eating disorder. And, like, I used to think that the- olive oil was bad, too. Like, it's okay, though. Like, you can eat that way. I think, like, alienating anyone is going to be, like, really just, like, bad fundamentally. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are experiencing someone that, like, is a lot talking about dieting, once again, like, if they need to lose weight and a doctor told them to or if they want to go on a new diet and try it, hats off to them. Good for them, I guess. If you see it as a friend and you're, like, they're going down a bad route, that's another thing. But setting boundaries is going to be really important. Like, I've had to set someone's family members, like, hey, can you not talk about food in that way? It triggers me. Or, like, this talk about calories, like, brings me back to a place where I was and you know that I've had an eating disorder. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that hard of a conversation. For me, it's been, like, two minutes of, like, you know, basically, like, you guys know I've had an eating disorder, so let's not talk about food that way. Thanks. And you know. And they usually, yeah, are going to be well receptive. And so it's like, I think keeping your inner circle very like in tune with what triggers you. But then there's like the, the issue that I have most of the time with food is like that outer circle where it's like a coworker, someone who's a friend of a friend, an acquaintance, someone you see at a party, a date, like some of the shit that men say about how they eat. Like I, I only eat one meal a day. Okay, and you're you like are this tall and like I probably eat more than you and like then you get into the mind games of like ooh should I eat less later you know so once again like you the people you're going to be around for like ninety percent of your day make sure you're setting clear boundaries with them about what triggers you and what is feels good for you and then everyone else you kind of gotta have white noise and yeah. buffer what they're saying and how it affects you. Mm-hmm. Cheers to that. Um, Emma and I ate our silly little potatoes, which I think is going to be our next pod. Hot girl part four. four. Just us talking about potatoes and many different ways. So Texas potatoes, like we literally have a conversation about potatoes for 40 minutes each day. Yeah. So this will be like second nature to us. Yeah. I mean, the potato culture has been ingrained in us since high carb, low fat veganism, but now I eat it with hella fat. So fuck yeah. you. Freely. There's new ways to eat the potatoes, girlies. <laughs> yeah. And like we talk about the freezer potatoes in Geneva all the time. You guys love it. So... We hope today was helpful. Once again, we just want this to be like an open dialogue. Yeah, we love you guys. We all have probably experienced some fucked up dieting culture that has ruined our life. So we are here for you. Always feel free to like privately DM us if you're dealing with anything. We're here for the girlies. And go like, comment, and subscribe. I'm kidding. Leave us five stars in the Apple Review Store. If you've received your merch, um, post up in it. I need to see y'all in your sweatshirts, your t-shirts, your hats, your stickers. Yeah. Um... Without that, without that, without further ado, as I always say in the pods, because I don't know what else to say. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for listening to episode 27. We're going to go sip on a Zevia and be hot girls. Peace and love. Love you, Seamus girlies. Bye.